Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. Uh, Derek, uh, today we're looking at um, extended family and some of the issues that uh, people or couples can have with extended family members. This sounds like a really interesting one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the areas that couples struggle with a lot in their relationships. Uh, it comes up pretty frequently. I think that we have that sort of uh, funny um, thing in our culture about, you know, the mother-in-law and how do we uh, manage that within a couple relationship. And, you know, it's, it's funny because on one level, sometimes it's true. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've spoken extensively in previous sessions, Derek, about couples setting goals and prioritising who does what in the home to avoid problems down the line. But uh, with the problem with um, extended family, is it more of a problem with younger couples when they're just starting out and they probably don't know the extended family that well anyway? Absolutely. It is, uh, it, it, it's a real challenge, particularly for couples in the early years of their relationship. Uh, it's one of the most common difficult issues for couples to struggle with. And it's difficult because they do often care about and love their families, but they also care about and love this person that they're in a relationship with. And they're trying to work out how do I do both, you know, and they can sort of struggle to work out what's the balance there. Okay. And why, why do people meddle? Do they just feel the need to meddle or <laughs> their advice is better than everyone else's? Look, I think it probably, uh, it's a bit of personality. Uh, there's often personality differences. You know, different families come with different norms and, and ways of doing things. And, uh, um, you know, how they manage their money, as we've spoken about in previous sessions, uh, leisure and how they spend their time off, how they express affection, you know, hugs, cuddles, kisses, those sorts of things. I mean, you know, families are just really diverse in the way they do things. And, you know, in our own relationship, we're trying to, develop a new way of doing things that works for us. And, uh, and so that means making change and change is often difficult. You know, it's a, it's a growing process and it, uh, it can be a challenge to work out how to manage that when other people maybe don't think that the way we want to do things is the best way of doing things. Yeah, and I mean, families really are a microcosm of the world at large and issues that we see on the daily news, but uh, you know, they're no different in many respects. Absolutely, definitely. They all come with their own unique sort of cultures and ways of doing things, what can be talked about and what can't. Uh, I often think about Karen and I and in my family growing up, you know, around just around the dinner table, sharing a meal, we would talk about religion and politics and, uh, you know, what was happening in the world and those sorts of things. And Karen's family, you know, they'd talk about the day and what happened and how good the chili was and, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and it was very, uh, you know, um, a different kind of conversation. And I've come to really appreciate that both are actually really important. Yeah, well, we're all told from an early age, I think, that we you know, two things you should never discuss, politics and religion. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah, we got a lot of practice of doing that in my family. Yeah, mm. well, we don't learn because we still do. I mean, it's still two of the most popular subjects around, I think. Absolutely, that's right. Now, the other thing you mentioned, which is important too, is culture. I imagine that um, if someone marries into a, another culture or their, their spouse is from, a, you know, a, another background that can cause issues too because it's the unknowns it sure is and you know certainly in my experience working with couples in relationship education and counseling is when we marry into a different culture whether it's a um you know cultural heritage or whether it's a 
you know, faith, religious background, those sorts of things, it can kind of be both a blessing and also a curse. You know, that for those families that really see it as uh, with a approach that way of being, different, different cult, different, different, having different cultural backgrounds, if they approach it from a perspective of openness and curiosity and wanting to learn, uh, you know, new ways of thinking and ways of engaging in the world, it can be a real blessing in their family life and, and certainly for their children. Um, you know, to be exposed to such a diverse way of understanding the world. Um, Karen, for instance, she grew up in a, a family. Her mum's uh, Anglo-Indian, her dad's Burmese. And, uh, and I've got to say, when we started going out, I experienced a whole new world of culinary <laughs> delight. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and I was open to that, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, you, know, I've, you know, foods, curries, things that I'd never tasted before that were, were fantastic and it was a real blessing. And our kids, you know, love the diversity of food that we eat in our home. However, having different cultural backgrounds can also at times be a curse, particularly when uh, couples and families sort of get gridlocked into a, what is the best way or the right way of, of doing things. Um, you know, certainly I've seen that around you know, faith differences um, for couples. And once they got, sort of get gridlocked into that, you know, it becomes a very, very difficult place for couples to sort of work out the way forward. So it can be quite difficult. Um, at the same time, when people are open to it, I've seen it be a real blessing to their, their own relationships and to their children growing up in those relationships. But it does take a certain uh, openness and a willingness to grow and to learn and to not just shut down the other person's ideas or thoughts or, or values as, you know, as worthless because they're not the same as ours. Yeah, no, exactly right. Um, Derek, what are some of the other reasons extended family members try to interfere or do interfere in a relationship? I imagine there are a whole variety of reasons. There are many, many reasons. So, uh, you know, there are financial reasons. So, you know, people concerned about where are, where's my financial, um, you know, the amount of money and the investments I've accumulated over the years, who's going to end up with all of that, you know? And, uh, and so there's often a financial interest there. There can be interests around um, uh, power of attorney, you know, for older couples who are, uh, are marrying or forming a new relationship, who's going to make the decisions? So extended family, you know, we often think about parents, but extended family in terms of our um, you know, children for that are an older couple maybe who are remarrying, who's going to make the decisions about mum and dad's health later in life? Passing on family heritage, so traditions, uh, you know, cultural, um, you know, things of value can be a reason why families um, interfere in, in the way that we as a family are at Christmas or Easter or other sort of culturally important times of the year. And sometimes it's loneliness. You know, it's, uh, if it's, um, you know, our children, um, you know, for single parent families and our children find someone that they love, they're starting a new relationship. And, um, you know, that uh, and a parent has had a really strong relationship with their son or daughter, but finding it hard to manage that transition for that son or daughter entering into a, a new relationship that's going to be more important them you know in terms of a future a partner or spouse and so there are lots and lots of different reasons why extended family are very invested in uh, in couple relationships and how those things turn out over time and it can make it difficult trying to know how to navigate those kinds of conversations sure no that's uh, an extensive set of reasons so uh, what can couples do if an extended family member is causing issues are there any tips you can provide yeah, I think there are probably four main things that always stand out for me that, that are helpful things for couples to keep in mind. I guess the first is that when we're stuck in that situation, 
where my partner or my spouse, you know, feels this way or has this priority and my extended family has this other way of looking at things, my parents or, you know, siblings, it can feel really tough. Like you feel that you're really the meat in the sandwich and, uh, and I'm trying to make everyone happy here and I'm not really making anybody happy here and, uh, and it can be a really stuck place to, to be and it can feel very difficult and heavy for someone. And I guess the first thing is to realise that there is no sandwich that if you are with this person in this couple relationship, and particularly if you're married, you stood at an altar somewhere and you said, I choose you. I choose to put you before all other people. That doesn't mean we don't care about other people. Obviously, we, we care about our family and their needs. But ultimately, when it comes to really difficult decisions, when we make the decision that prioritizes our spouse and their needs, then we're making the right decision. That is the right choice. Because at the end of the day, I don't have to go to bed with anyone else. I don't have to make financial decisions with anyone else. I don't have to make parenting decisions with anyone else. It's this person that I'm in this relationship with. Sure. And I think just recognizing that there's no sandwich, that I need to prioritize this person, does give me a sense of um, a sort of sense of peace or calm that, you know, even though it's difficult, I'm making the right choice here. I mean, other people outside of our relationship are sort of saying, well, we don't agree. Second thing I think is that for couples is to take responsibility for their own family and negotiating with their family. Because we have a much deeper history with our family than we do with our partner's family. You know, an example would be uh, Karen's dad loves to give our kids lollies, snake lollies, which is great. I, I have no problems with that. That's a grandparent's prerogative <laughs> is to give the kids yeah. snake lollies. Of but course. sometimes he likes to give them about 30 seconds before the kids sit down to have dinner. <laughs> And then, of course, they don't want to eat their dinner because they're filled up with lollies. And I know if I was to say to Karen's dad, Dad, don't give the kids lollies before dinner. Well, six months from now, we might still be hearing about Derek was cranky and doesn't like, you know, dad giving kids lollies. But Karen, yeah. you know, my wife can say straight to her dad, Dad, don't give the kids lollies before dinner. And five minutes later, everything's gone fine and, and we're all getting along. So I have a, a deeper history with my family. Karen has a deeper history with her family. And so it's usually safer for the person whose family it is to do the negotiating with that family to bring about change because they're more open to repair and, and working through things. But I guess if we do that, we also need to keep in mind that our partner probably knows the best way to negotiate that. You know, they have known their family for many, many years and they know the best way to negotiate to get what they want from their family. And it might not be the way that I like to do things, but Karen knows the best way to do things with her family. Yeah. And I know the best way to do things with my family. You know, sometimes some families need a direct approach. Other times families need a maybe a sort of subtler way of sort of getting our needs met. And, uh, and so it does mean sometimes that, you know, Karen might do things a different way to me, but I just need to respect that she knows the best way to get what we need as a couple from her family and, and vice versa. Sure. It might mean uh, swallowing a bit of pride at the time, but it's the best way to approach it. It does, yeah. And then I guess the fourth thing, which I think is really important for couples to develop, is we language. You know, the use of the word we a lot. Um, you know, sometimes without even meaning to, we can sort of set our families up in opposition to our spouse. Now, let me give you an example. Uh, let's say I'm on the way home from work one evening and, uh, and I decide to stop in for a cup of coffee uh, with my parents. And my mum says to me, you know, why don't, why don't you and Karen and the kids come over on Saturday morning for, for morning tea? You know, we haven't seen you for a while. It'd be great to see you. Come over for morning tea. 
Now, I could say, look, I'll check with Karen and get back to you. And the problem with that is that without meaning to, it's not my intention, but without meaning to, it can sound like sometimes to family, like Derek wants to come for morning tea. Yeah. But Karen's the one who always, you know, holds him back. Karen's the one who calls the shots in this, you know, relationship. And she's the, the problem, right, in a sense, you know, <laughs> the way it seems. It's actually much safer for me to say, actually, I'm not sure we'll get back to you. Yes. You know, and then, uh, uh, and then it's not me or Karen. It's us. We, we as a couple make these decisions together. And, uh, and so then I go home and let's say I say to Karen, you know, mum wants us to come over for, um, for, for morning tea on Saturday. And Karen kind of goes, oh, no, look, actually, you know, I've got work and we've got shopping and, you know, kids have got soccer and, you know, maybe not uh, Saturday morning. When I ring mum to say, look, we're not coming over um, because we've got things on, you know, instead of saying, oh, look, Karen said we've got, you know, soccer and shopping to do, which again sounds like, well, Derek would come, but Karen's the one who uh, calls the shots here. It's much safer for me to say, look, actually, we're really busy on Saturday morning, but maybe we could make it for another time. You know, when we use we language, it's just a, a gentle, subtle way of inviting our families to see us the way we see us, which is as a couple, as a we. It also makes it difficult for our families to to sort of push back and argue against that because, well, you could convince me, but uh, you still have to convince Karen or you could convince Karen, but you're still going to have to convince me. You know, we become a more united, stronger uh, force and as a couple when we do that. And also when I use we language, it confirms to Karen, Derek cares about me, Derek values my opinion, Derek's not just making decisions without considering my needs as well, you know. So cultivating we and us language is really important for helping everyone around us, our workplaces and, and our extended families to start to see us the way that we see us and the way that we'd like to be seen is as a couple. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And language is so important as we've discussed in other sessions. And the we part, it, you do, it comes across as you're both united. Mm. So uh, it's, it's harder for the extended family member, whoever they may be, to find chinks in your armour, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. It just uh, it makes us uh, stronger as a couple. And when we use we language, we constantly reaffirm our value to one another as well. It's not just what it does, I guess, in relationship to others, but it's what it does to us as we think of ourselves that way too. Yeah, no, that's right. Now, Derek, uh, is this a relatively new problem or uh, have couples been having problems with uh, grandparents and others for uh, many, many centuries? I think this is an age-old problem. I think maybe it is the, the longest existing problem in couple relationships in history. You know, there is this beautiful phrase in Genesis, you know, in the Bible right at the very beginning um, where it says, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and join with his wife and the two shall become one body. God could have just said in, uh, in Scripture, you know, um, you know, for this reason, a husband and wife will join and become one body. But it sort of says it really makes a point of leaving mother and father. And, uh, and I suspect that, um, you know, even uh, ancient cultures, you know, have known ever since time memorial that, you know, this process of leaving the family that I grew up with and joining and becoming a new family, it is a huge transition. And there's lots of people who are invested in it. You know, we like to think that our marriage is just about us. You know, we love each other and we want to spend the rest of our lives together and, and that's it. But the reality is, whether we like it or not, we get their family too. and um, and even sometimes we get their family, not necessarily the people there, but we get their family in who they are for us. You know, uh, an example would be 
I grew up in a quite an unaffectionate family. You know, we don't hug or kiss or cuddle a lot. But Karen grew up in a family that is very affectionate. And there are lots of hugs, cuddles, kisses, tickles for kids and things like that. And, uh, and that's something that I really value in our relationship that comes through Karen's family. You know, that's actually a part of her family, the family's way of being that's now being lived out in our own relationship. I think, uh, I think it's always been a part of couple relationships and, and since the very beginning of time. Yeah, no, exactly right. Um, Derek, I imagine it would be a good idea for couples to set boundaries early on. We've talked about boundaries a lot in different areas, but early on in their relationship and clearly state what they expect of other family members. Um, and as an adjunct to that, is there a right, right way of going about this without putting noses out of joint? Yeah, the reality is sometimes we just have to set boundaries with our families and say this is what is or isn't the way things are going to be. And it starts really early in the couple relationship, and particularly when you know if children come along because they're going to want to, over a period of time, begin to create their own traditions and ways of being as a family. How they're going to spend Christmas, how they're going to celebrate birthdays, how they're going to... You know do what they're going to do on Easter, and and that's a and that's going to change as their family is constantly renegotiated as the, the family grows, and they're going to want to spend time, you know, with uh, with their parents and and their children's grandparents, and and what's the right amount of time? When is the right time to have to spend time with them? These are things that all need to be negotiated, and and we have expectations, and our extended family have expectations about that as well, and sometimes it does mean that we have a tough conversation about what is and isn't acceptable. Um, you know, I know, for instance, in, uh, in our relationship early on, um, you know, Karen's, our, our house, our home was sort of, you know, mi casa su casa, our house is your house. You know, feel free to come over whenever you, when you like or want. Yeah. Um, but even though I kind of had this idea of come over whenever you feel that you like or want to come over, it didn't really mean seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. Right, <laughs> at that time when I'm sort of sleeping in, like you know, maybe a little bit later in the day on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so, uh, and so, maybe we had to have an awkward conversation about we love having you over, and please feel free to come over whenever. But maybe just be coming over really early in the morning, it'd be good to just ring first and let us know that you're on the way. You know, so yeah. I have a chance to get out of my pajamas. So we do have to set boundaries sometimes with our families, and and we want to set boundaries in a way that gives us the best chance of. A, getting what we want, and B, protecting those relationships because we do care about those people and often we do want them in our, in our family life, you know, going forward. So I guess the first thing is that, you know, when we want to set a boundary is that often the way that family can experience that is that we're turning our backs on them, particularly that if we're, you know, changing a sort of cultural tradition. Um, an example would be maybe, say, your family always had maybe family dinner night on a Tuesday night. And, uh, and that's always the way it's been. And everyone knows that the whole family get together on a Tuesday night, you know, all the siblings and everyone, you know, get together on a Tuesday night. But you realize that, you know what, actually Tuesday nights doesn't work for us anymore. You know, our family is growing. The kids have a youth group. We've got other things that we want to do. And, you know, and, uh, and Tuesdays is just not going to work for us. And we need to have a conversation with our extended family that says that we're not going to be coming along to you know, family dinner night on Tuesdays anymore or can we change that to another night if it's still important? And But what it can feel like to our families when we make those kinds of decisions and choices is that, you know, we're turning our backs on them. You know, that they did the best that they could, our parents did the best that they could to give us all these wonderful things and now we just don't care. Yeah. You know, we're, <laughs> we're going off and doing our own thing. Yeah. 
which is not the case. Of course, we care about them, but we realize that our family's needs are, are changing and that we need to change in relationship to them as a, a result. So the way to have that conversation is to start by really affirming the relationship that you have with them and affirming what they've given to you in terms of your the importance of your relationship and family life. You know, a way to start that conversation is to start it like this. You know, mum and dad, you know, one of the things that I learned from, you know, your relationship was really the importance of our marriage or our couple relationship and prioritizing that and making decisions that really nurture and support our relationship with one another as a family. And what you know, what we've noticed is that there are things that are changing and, and Tuesday nights is really difficult for us to to be able to come along to family night and it means that we don't have time as an immediate family sometimes when we'd like to and so we really want to make a change here and we just want your support there as well you know i think when people realize that it's not that you're shutting them out but rather you're inviting them to help you to build the kind of relationships that you want to and that and that your valuing of those relationships came from your experience of them in the past they realize that you're not turning your back on them actually you're asking for their support to help you build the kind of relationship that they actually long for you to have as well if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that's that, that makes perfect sense. Now, I use the analogy of the Titanic, which is probably a very bad one, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, Derek, what help is available for couples if they feel like they're sinking? And excuse right, the analogy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for couples, probably the hardest part of with extended family is actually not so much dealing with the extended family, but how we as a couple talk about it within our relationship, right? Because I guess one of the challenges that whenever we're talking about extended family is it's really difficult for us to meet one another in the couple relationship at the same energy level. So if, say, my family are doing something that bugs Karen, well, I've been dealing with that for the last, you know, 40 plus years of my life. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just how they are. <laughs> you know, yeah. Why would we get upset about that? You know, true. But for Karen, it's fresh and yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying me and it's bugging me and I want to talk about this and something's going to change. Yeah. So when a couple try to talk about it, they first of all, they, they don't meet each other at the same energy level. And the person whose family it is often tries to sort of start that conversation by helping their partner to develop an understanding about their family. So when they say things like, you know, oh, you know, but you've got to understand that my dad's like this or you've got to understand my brother's always been like that. And, um, and what it sounds like to our partner is now you're defending them, mm. right? I'm really upset about what's happening here and you're defending them, but you're supposed to be with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and helping yeah. our relationship. True. So one of the things that's really important for couples to do that will help with these conversations is to make sure that they affirm their partner first at the beginning of these conversations, that before getting into explaining what their family is like, they should first of all say, this must be really difficult and I can see how frustrating that must be for you. And I know, you know, when I was younger, it really used to bug me as well. And, and I really care about you. And, and I know that we need to work out a way to sort of manage this and really first, always first, affirm your relationship so that they know that you're not just sort of def defending them, that actually you're trying to build understanding and that you really care about your, your partner and that you want this relationship to work better. Yeah. So that's, I guess, the first thing that they can do is really, really make sure to prioritize actually naming, saying how much they love their partner and how they really want this to work out better for them. Yeah. Um, you know, is a good way to start those conversations and to end those conversations. 
Um, otherwise, it does sort of find we do find ourselves trapped in this conversation where it feels like I'm trying to tell you how unhappy I am, and you just keep defending them, which of course isn't that person's intention. They're wanting to support um, and get help. You know, if you're finding it difficult to know how to set boundaries, um, get some help. You know, counselors uh, and psychologists are working with these kinds of things, particularly those who are working with couples and families all the time, and they've got lots and lots of tools and ideas for, you know, ways that you might want to. Uh, things that you might want to adopt as sort of strategies for working with extended family. You know, little things like developing we language, you know, phrasing things in such a way that you're affirming them at the same time as setting boundaries and inviting them to sort of support you as a couple. Uh, you know, realizing that uh, that maybe you know, one person in the relationship is better suited to be able to negotiate with the other family members than the other and, and to help to put those strategies in place and work out what it'll look like specifically for your relationship with your family sure i mean diplomacy is so important uh, in anything really uh, in life as we know and uh, i imagine when dealing with the difficult extended family that uh, it's even more so important it is because we care about them and and they're invested they've been invested in our lives for since the day we were born um, and we do care about them we want things to work well yeah absolutely uh derek in recapping some of the main points that the people can take out of this session yeah I think if you're struggling with uh, extended family, it, this is really normal and it's been an age-old challenge for every couple relationship since probably the beginning of time. And it shows up in all sorts of different ways uh, in relationships. But just to remember that there is, there is no sandwich if you feel that like you're in a stuck place between you know, your partner and your family, that there is actually no sandwich. You know, Making the choice that's really in the best interests of your partner and your family and your children is the, the right choice. Uh, to make to support them and care about them you know taking responsibility for your own family and negotiating with them with them on behalf of your spouse and family that can be tricky at times but doing that cultivating we language you know just developing that as a strategy and as a habit within your relationship will help you as a couple and uh, and don't be afraid to get help you know uh, make sure you affirm one another that's really important yeah the the affirmation part is totally and that comes through in the all our sessions that we've spoken about, that affirmation of your partner is vitally important. Mm, yeah, we can't just sort of take it for granted that they know. <laughs> we have to put words around that. Well, that's right. You can't read people's minds, can you? <laughs> you can't, yeah. I kind of think there's this funny thing. I sort of think, you know, um, you know it'd be sort of sad if um, I got to the, you know, our 50th wedding anniversary and, uh, and I sort of said, wow, this is exciting. We've reached 50 years of marriage. And Karen sort of said, oh, well, you know, it was all right. <laughs> it wasn't great, and uh, and I'm like, what do you mean? I did everything I promised to do. I loved you, and I honored you, and I cherished you. You know, for 50 years, and uh, and she was to turn around and say, yeah, but you didn't say that. You know, you didn't say I love you. You didn't say you know you mean the world to me. You didn't say you know I care about you. That we actually have to put words around this. Just can't assume that they know. No, well that's right. And you you tend to say it to your children a lot, especially when they're young. But uh, sometimes you can forget about your partner, and that's not good. Mm, absolutely. Derek, as usual, it's been great talking to you. It's been great talking to you too, David. Thank you. Mm -hmm.